Hello, hello, and welcome to CVET's podcast. Today's podcast is number 36, and we are flying by. Can't believe we're that far along. And before we jump in, I just want to direct you to our YouTube channel. Many of you know, and many of you even have even gone back and watched our YouTube channel, but we have all of our previous podcasts, videos, and audio there for you to look at. So go ahead, go look at the previous ones, and join our journey through there. You can subscribe, you can like our videos. That's right, and access a lot of our other content. You know, many of you, actually the majority of you, because we're a podcast, have followed us through the audio podcast, either on Spotify or iTunes podcasts or Google podcasts and all those things. And so you might be enjoying it as you're on your daily commute, but if you have time on the weekends or in the evenings, want to check out some content, we have so much content on our YouTube channel. it's great. So it's just simple. It's just youtube.com slash CBETSKC. Pretty cool. So today's podcast is all about the Netflix series Messiah. Now, you and Mike, a couple of podcasts ago, started chatting a little bit about this series. That's you? right. We we were we didn't know what it would be like. Yep. We just saw the the, <laughs> the the trailer and it was so compelling. Yeah. So him and I, we d- just had a little chat about it. But now it's it's since been out. It's all out there. And I've watched it. Several of us have watched it. And uh, we have questions for Daniel yes. Lim. <laughs> yes. We have the I wise man. provoking some real deep <laughs> emotional response. Yes. That's indeed Seriously. the truth. So, yeah, Daniel, you're going to just kind of unpack this, this with us, answer some of our questions and lead us into all truth, right? <laughs> well, I will rely on the scripture and the Holy Spirit, Good. obviously. and But I'm really excited because... You know, on our three-year journey, Seabed's uh, uh, Center for Biblical End Time Study for our study group started three years ago. Our goal was to study 150 chapters. Yeah. Right. And the goal was to understand this chapter properly according to its context and then to uh, live it out, to align our lifestyle according to it, and then to proclaim it. Yeah. And at the end of our three-year journey, when we're starting our last module, you know, Hollywood dropped us a gift, yeah. <laughs> a well-produced... Yes. TV series on Netflix about the Messiah with focus on the second coming. Yeah. yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah, I That's mean, it's true. it's uh, engaging people in the conversation in For ways sure. that we weren't planning oh, on yeah. or could mm-hmm. do. You know, we have a different sector of Wouldn't society. Wouldn't you say that it's quite well made? Oh, uh, it it's yeah, it's definitely well made. I mean, it's, it's more, it, people might think because of the trailer that it's more of an action film. It has those pieces to it. It's more of a drama in terms of genre. There's a lot of soul searching that goes on, yes. a lot of connection with the human condition, but it's compelling and it's well, well made, good videography. Yes. And I, I tend to be the critic against Christian films <laughs> because I love the message, but I hate the way they do it usually. Yeah, how they portray <laughs> so. Jesus. What I actually find interesting is that the director said one of her main um, reasons for doing this is that she wanted to start the question of what is faith and what's good about this series. It's bringing this conversation to the forefront of people's minds, believers, unbelievers, of who really is Jesus, how can we find out what he really means and what he's really doing? So it's a, it's definitely a great Kickstarter. Yeah. So I think it's a great educational tool for us and uh, for anyone who's really interested to know Jesus. Yeah. This is actually a good visual uh, aid. I would yeah. say a good visual aid that's produced for dialogue <laughs> and discussion so that we can really dig into the scripture and see what the scripture says about Jesus. You know, the, the scripture is not vague about Jesus. Yeah. No. The, the scripture is very precise about the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Right. In fact, the, the scripture gives us a fair amount of inf- information even about the Antichrist. That's right. You know, I think in the series, even though no one accused him of being the Antichrist, 
explicitly, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about it. Yeah, no, because there's a lot of things. I mean, he shows up, which we'll talk about here in a second. He shows up first to the Muslims, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, and it seems like they're calling him by their term of what they think in terms of their religious construct, Al-Masi, which of course we know to be, their, you know, Isa is Jesus. Uh, but in, through their construct, uh, is it's just a different a different conversation. So let me just clarify the term Almasi for our Western-based mm -hmm. audience. Al, you know, in the Hebrew ver equivalent will be El, which means the someone who is attached to God. And Masi in Hebrew is Mashiach, which is Messiah. So it's it's an Arabic version of calling the Messiah. So it's not really Islamic in nature because in Quran, yes, Jesus is called the Almasi. Yeah. Yes, but we're not believing in the Quranic version of Isa. Right. That's not to claim that this is the Quranic version of Isa. It's just a title given to uh, to an Arabic person calling the Messiah. Right. right. Yes. Okay. Right. And, and exactly. And it's funny because as far as I can remember, uh, this figure, this central figure, who's you know, of course, the whole Messiah is built around, doesn't ever give himself his name. He never says that he is Al Masi. Right. He never, you know, of course, and spoiler alert, I'm a, I realize we need to warn you. <laughs> if you haven't watched it and don't want to be uh, get a spoiler here, you need to know that we're going to spoil it because yes. there's a lot of details and like one of the, you know, just yeah. bombs. Just stop watching or listening if you don't <laughs> yeah. want it to be spoiled right now. <laughs> yeah, because we're going to talk about details, but... So warning is Are out Are you there. suggesting to our audience that don't listen to this podcast before you watch it or listen to our podcast and use our podcast as a guide to oh, watch it? Oh, there you it. go. Well, it could both be both, end. but some people, <laughs> some people, I, I like to know things before I go into a movie because I, I would love to know what to expect. Some people hate that. So I'm That's just true. being kind and warning. What about this? There are some people who are unsure whether they should watch this because it's kind of, uh, I would say, you know, freaky. Some people mm -hmm. say, yeah. you know, it's a, creepy. I don't know, creepy, freaky. <laughs> yeah. So what if this... This podcast become a basic biblical guide for you so you have confidence to go watch it and go. use that as a guide so that you, you know how to evaluate that's, it. There you go. That's, that's the higher really perspective. One. Thank yeah, you. That's good. <laughs> Still a spoiler <laughs> alert though. <laughs> no, but I do want to say um, as we start this conversation that it's like around episode six, I was starting to get uncomfortable. My wife gets so uncomfortable and she says, I don't know. So we pause it. We talk about it a little bit. And she's like, I just don't think I can keep watching this. And so she walks away and I'm like, I don't know if I want to either. And I do. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is like, it made me realize, wow, like the, the picture they're painting of the one we well, have been searching for our whole lives, uh, depending on how long we've been following Jesus, you know, they're depicting him and, yeah. and we're, we're either going to, you know, receive him or reject him. And so, um, now obviously Netflix isn't the scriptures, right? So that's why we call this episode Netflix's Messiah because it's their version of it, which I'm happy about, you know, to talk about, but mm -hmm. I, I just really think that it begs the question of how we will receive the real one yes. when it comes, you know, yes. but anyway, it's a, it's so imagine this, if Netflix through movie production can provoke such a response from the audience, when it really happened, the Antichrist and the real Christ is going to provoke way stronger reaction. That's than right. This. That's true. So, you know, let's, let's dig into this because there's several scenes and I want to just quote some lines about it. Um, but there's several scenes where... Um, 
where it, it just brings a, a question of like, is this really how Jesus will show up, right? Or what he would say or what people will say about him. And I want to start with the question of geography. Now, we know that there are some geographical markers related to Jesus's coming, but the way the whole series starts, right? It starts with Jesus appearing, or I'm referring to him as Jesus. They don't ever call him that. No one. It, actually, I don't think they ever say, maybe once somebody says it, but but they refer to him as the Messiah or Almasi or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is, uh, this this man shows up in Damascus, right? And he stops a sandstorm or starts a sandstorm, but he's preaching for like 30 days without food or water, supposedly. You know, at least that's what they're saying yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this accurate? And where do we get that from? I think... Uh Kudos to the movie producer. This, <laughs> yeah. I would say that, you no, know, for real, that uh, the producer is able to put the setting in the Middle East yeah. instead of just beginning in the typical Western world mm-hmm. and, uh, and also chose a, one of the oldest cities on the earth. Jericho and Damascus are two oldest cities on the earth. So it creates some kind of a historical, uh, geographical context. And then for some people who are not very familiar with the scripture, Old and New Testament, the Middle East is just a generic place, you know, the... uh, all the way from the ancient Syria, all the way to the Holy Land, down south to the Negev and the Sinai Peninsula, you know, towards the Jordan. Yeah. They are all one big piece of land there. Mm. So, but so, and most people can't differentiate between the precise detail of uh, those places unless you're very familiar with the geography there. Mm-hmm. But the scripture is not uh, vague about geography. The, the scripture is quite specific even though they might be just five miles apart. For example, Jerusalem and Bethlehem is barely five miles apart from each other. But there's huge difference. Jesus was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in a little town called Bethlehem. About And Bethany is also slightly east of Jerusalem, and Bethany is significant. And then there's another place near Jerusalem. In fact, it's actually within Jerusalem right now, but not in the ancient city of Jerusalem. It's called Mount Olives. Jerusalem is on top of actually uh, several mountain peaks, you know, Mount Scorpus, Mount Zion, and Mount Olive. And between Jerusalem, the the, the current uh, Temple Mount, and the Mount Olive, there's a slight little uh, valley. Mm-hmm. And But for the local people, you can't say the city of Jerusalem is Mount Olive. Mount Olive is the city of Jerusalem. It makes a lot right. of difference. So why am I bringing that up? So Damascus is now very far away from what we're talking about. So it makes a difference, even though it's Middle East. So Zechariah 14.4 talks about Jesus. His feet is on Mount Olive, and the Mount Olive was split into two. So we know from the scripture, the prophet says that when Jesus returned, he will stand on Mount Olives. So many people assume that that will be the first place that he will publicly appear as second coming. Mm -hmm. But if you study the whole council of scripture, you realize that it's not so. Now, what makes Mount Olive one of the, the primary uh, interesting geography for end time watcher is because of Acts chapter 1, yeah. verse 9 to 11, when the disciples were gathered at Mount Olive and Jesus ascended and, and received in the clouds, the two angels that show up and talk to the apostles said, you know, the same Jesus that you see going up will return in the same manner. So what does it mean? It means the same Jesus look like the same place. So Zechariah 14, 4 say his feet will stand here. In other words, he goes up here, he will come down 
here. Yeah, yeah. Right. So many people assume that okay, that's the landing spot. Right. That when but when then you read Isaiah 63, Revelation 14, and the other scripture, you realize that you know his his procession in the sky will land him probably you know somewhere through uh, the Sinai Peninsula or somewhere along the Exodus path as the greater Moses. And then Isaiah 63 talks about him going through the land of Edom, uh, executing the army of the wicked. So we know that these are eastern side of the, the Mount of Olives, and then eventually he will end up on Mount Olive, and then Psalms 24 says, open up your gates, you know, and then the King of Glory will come in. It's almost like a repeat of Jesus coming down from Mount Olive on a donkey right. on a day when yeah. those people spread palm branches. Yeah. We call them the Palm Sunday, you know, and say, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. So, first question, you say Damascus. Mm -hmm. Is it, does he appear first in Damascus? Nowhere in the scripture says he appeared in Damascus. But kudos to the movie producer using the Middle East yeah, yeah, as yeah. a setting. But as, script, as people who study the scripture, we cannot just be generic with the Middle East. We right. have to be precise with the geography because it matters. Yeah. If he comes down from Damascus, it's not him. If he comes out from Bosra, there is a chance it is him. Yeah, that's There's right. still other right. factors to be added in. And he must stand on Mount Olive. That's very important. If he comes from the, the Great Sea, ascending from the western side to Jerusalem and never step on Mount Olive, then it's probably not him. Right. right. So, it's, right. yeah. Yeah, because I remember that. Who is this one coming out from Basra, right? And, and Isaiah. And I think, I think those are the kinds of things that do place him in the Middle East in the Middle East, which actually then brings me to my second question related to ethnicity, because, you know, I mean, we always joke about the Scandinavian Jesus. Oh yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you're, you're like your uncle or somebody. <laughs> he is actually, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, but here he appears as a very Middle Eastern man, uh, maybe a little straighter hair than I expected personally, because I don't know, just my studies, it seems like he might have had a little more wave in his hair. But um, anyway, needless to say, um, it, it, he's definitely more Middle Eastern, uh, which is very interesting. And again, I would say kudos to the producers for, for that choice, you know, very good uh, uh, Arabic and, and Hebrew accents. And, uh, and, and even in English, it's, it's not so perfect, which I liked. I like that because yeah. we are so ethnocentric as, as Westerners that this, this particular film did the right thing and made, made uh, this figure more centered in, in, uh, in, in more of a Middle Eastern background. But what does that say? What does the scripture say about our, uh, you know, uh, the Antichrist and the Christ? Obviously, we know Jesus already, but let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I think you brought up a very important point because what we see, we usually compare it with our reference point. And our reference point of Jesus is usually the Jesus we hang on our living room, the portrait, which is more, uh, I would say, Caucasian-like. You know, lately in the last 10 years, I think there's a modification. Right. <laughs> there has been some progressive modification to his more Middle Eastern, you know, uh, Jewish look because mm -hmm. there's a resurgence of understanding within the body of Christ of Jesus' Jewish root. Yeah. And that is uh, the right direction. But this movie is very bold. It goes all the way, you know, removing almost every trace of the, even the Ashkenazi Jews, like the Caucasian-like Jewish reality. There's no trace of it. This, this guy looked completely Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. So surely that will provoke a lot of response from people who are either for it or like, 
are repelled by it. Yeah. So, but I want to encourage our audience. We have to transcend our emotion and our presupposition in this. We have to look into the scripture. And how do we do that? That's very important. You know, and is, we begin with Acts chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. The same Jesus who heaven has received must return. You know, in Acts chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, he says, For the, and heaven must receive under the time of the restoration of all things. Then Jesus will be sent back. It's the same Jesus. So whoever is the Jesus in the first coming, we know is the same person who is coming back. So key number one, if I were you, I would spend a lot of my time studying the first coming of Jesus in the four gospel and, and be very, very familiar with Jesus, his life, his ministry, his work on the cross, his words, especially those words in rates, how he talks, and, and be very, and his miracles, and just get to know that first coming of Jesus as our foundation. Yeah. Then we can study the book of Revelation, we can mm-hmm. study the book of Daniel, Daniel 7, you know, the Son of Man, and all this then can be built on top of that because it's the same Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, um, so that is the first point I want to encourage our audience. So do not be repelled by what the look is, but it is he is actually a person with certain ethnicity that's linked to the first the first Jesus that came. Right. And yeah. Now I I, I just a, oh sorry. Go ahead. No, I think I think you just made such a good point of you can't make the decision based off of how you feel. Yes. And I think we can often do that in this time, this age. We do well. Actually, I don't feel like doing that, or no, that doesn't feel good, so I don't want to, or that feels good, so I will. And I think we really need to change that mindset of no, it it doesn't actually really matter about how I feel if it right. doesn't align with the scripture. Yes. Then you can't do it. Or yes. you can't believe it. And so I think that's a really good point you made. So, okay. So just, uh, we're going to get slightly off topic, be, be, but I still want to talk about it. What, have, what about the Antichrist? I mean, what, what introductory statements can you make related to his ethnicity? Okay. So uh, the scripture was also uh, quite, uh, I would say, full of evidence of the description of the potential, uh, not ethnicity, or rather the bloodline of the uh, Antichrist. The Antichrist potentially will have, he's called the Babylonian. He's also called the Assyrian. Mm -hmm. So in that way, we know that he's also Middle Eastern in some way. However, because of the nature of the movement of people group during the time of Alexander the Great, where the Greek went from the west and conquer all the way to the east, this area of Turkey, southern Turkey, eastern Turkey, and west, northern Iraq, you know, eastern Persia is a melting pot of ethnicity. And there's also a lot of people with Jewish blood there. So the scripture does tell us that the Antichrist himself potentially may have the look that will actually fit in to what will look like the person of Christ. Yeah. If you right. study the historical Jesus, that's, right. that's, that's right. why that's why it's very dangerous. In Matthew chapter twenty-four, uh, I think it's verse twenty-three and all the way to twenty-five, he said, "Then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, there, do not believe it.' In fact, right. the the command is so explicitly say, hey, Christ is over here.' The the automatic response, don't believe. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Okay, now Christ. Now this is this is important on twofold. Because if we are a believer in Christ, which means we're Christians mm-hmm. or we are follower of Yeshua, as Jewish follower of Yeshua, then we know that Jesus has come 2,000 years ago, has been crucified on the cross and rose again from the dead. Right. 
Now, if we are just a Jewish person who's still waiting for the first appearance of the Jewish Messiah, then we're still waiting for the Messiah. So Matthew right. 24 is, is geographically centered around the Jewish people, mm -hmm. around the Jerusalem vicinity and the Mount Olives. So he, we, can, we can listen to Jesus' word from two contexts. For the people who are waiting for the second coming of Jesus, mm -hmm. and also for the people who are waiting for the first coming of Jesus, or, or, or the Messiah, because they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Yeah. The Jewish people do not believe Yeshua of Nazareth is the Messiah, so they're still waiting for one. Yeah. So Jesus is explicitly warning anyone and say, if someone say Christ is over here, Almase is over here, Mashiach is over here, Christos is over here, do not believe it. There's only one response. Yeah. Wow. Why? Because there's only one authentic way we can identify the true Messiah. When he appeared, the first appearance, every eye shall see him, is in the sky. Right. <laughs> it's not Damascus, it's not Mount Olive, it's not anywhere else. It's in Mark chapter 13, verse 27 to 29, he says, When the sun and the moon and the stars darken, it's as if the God of Genesis 1 uh. deemed the light, and the curtain has not yet been lifted. The only person that will appear in the sky as the bright morning star is Jesus Christ. He's yeah. saying, Everybody else can fake all the signs and wonders and call whatever they want, but they're right. all fake. Until that one moment, you see that all the Genesis 1 light is dim, maybe completely darkened, I don't know. Then suddenly, he appears. He appears in the sky in power yeah. and glory. So everything else is fake. So it's right. actually not that difficult <laughs> to tell that this guy who appeared in Damascus, I was, I was spending the first five minutes entertaining the Damascus thing to give you the geographical insight. Yeah. But it's actually you cut through the chase. Right. The first appearance when someone sees Jesus is in the sky. Right. So, it, you know, I think part of the reason it's compelling and, and is because it says they will perform great signs and wonders, these false Christs. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And, and, uh, and beyond that, it's not just the signs and wonders, right? They'll lead people astray because of it. And, and it says, if possible, even the elect... Which yes. I don't want to get into that theology, but the point is, Which even is those the, that are fully committed or in, whatever, um, that they could be, if it were possible, they could yeah. be led astray. That's how compelling uh, these false Christs mm -hmm. will be. We have to expect the false Christ and the false prophet to be very compelling, not some cheesy, easy to sniff out kind of fake. Right. Okay. That's why Jesus gives something that cannot be counterfeited. Signs and wonders could be counterfeited. Mm -hmm. Okay, walking in the water. That's why I believe you talk about some miracle this yeah, guy yeah, do, right? Yeah, He's yeah. doing miracle that Jesus did during his first coming. Right. Just like Exodus 7 when Moses was competing with Pharaoh's magician. They were doing, they were competing the same kind of miracle, yes. right? So if the, someone could perform, like even raising the dead, it wasn't like he raised four people from the dead at the end, at right? At the very end. So yes. that is conjuring the image of the fact in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 onwards, the sound of the archangel, the sound of the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise. But yeah. then the scripture is very clear. It's not four people that will be raised from the dead at that point of time. It is actually everyone who believe in Christ will be resurrected. And then not only they will be resurrected, those who are alive will be changed. So let's say there are four people raised from the dead and there are other believers who are alive. They are not ch changed on the twinkling in the eye. Then we also know that that might not be the true miracle, even though you know for real, with your own eyes, somebody came back from the dead. Right. That's not yet the authentic mark to say that that's it. 
Okay, yeah, and right. there must be that transformation of those who are alive, and then the catching up, the rapture, has to happen right, right. after. It's a sequencing of events in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse sixteen onwards, that give us that undeniable fact that the resurrected saints will be caught up in the wedding procession, huge pageantry. There's a reason why Jesus stayed in the sky as his yeah, first appearance yeah. because he wants the whole world to see the wedding pageantry. That, yes. That's important that's because, you know, because I think about the Holy Spirit, right? Right now we have access to the power of God. And I imagine just like Jesus before his time, as he said, he did a miracle of turning water into wine in Cana. So it's possible that he could perform miracles before the time that he does this sudden thing. But you, you make the point of he's in the sky you know, and and, so, and 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 that's a that's the difference between yeah. what this pre presentation has. Okay, so has. hypothetically, if this scenario in the movie is real, someone is doing great signs and wonder, and and delivering messages that seems to be gospel-like messages that, wow, I can hear this guy. That's yes, right. I stand gospel. at the gate. You yeah. know, he use some biblical language, and then he do signs and wonders, a miracle. He bring world peace. Whoa, cool, right? Mm -hmm. But he. He hasn't yet first appeared in the sky. Yeah, not yet. Okay, so if he hasn't first appeared in the sky before he does all these things, he appeared in the valley, he appeared in the desert, he appeared in the mountain, he is not real. Yeah. Right. He is a fake. And I, I can tell you without a doubt he's a fake yeah. because the sequencing of the event is very, very clear in the Bible. Yeah, I think, I think that's what's so important. We need to learn the scripture because if you don't understand and know the scripture, you will take any narrative given to you to be true. And yes, so I think that's, if we, and, that's right. That's and right. It's to be specific with the scripture, right. not just generics, because the, dev the devil like to did this. Did God really say <laughs> right. so? Right. And, and Eve, right? like, yeah, I'm not sure I whether he so. did really say so. <laughs> you know, so I I, I want to say one more point uh, in verse twenty, chapter twenty four, twenty four. This is a very key verse. Everyone can remember this twenty four, twenty four. Yeah. It says, "For false Christ with the S." Yeah, plural. Many. This is going to be a test that uh, the end time church will face many, many times over. Right. We need to be not novice, but an expert in discerning the truth, especially pertaining to Christ. Who Christ is is going to be under attack. You know, Christology will be under attack. It's already under attack. Yeah. It will continue to escalate. Yeah. You know, I think for me, I, I, I seem to think that because the Jewish people who right now is the audience that Jesus is talking to in Matthew 24, right? They're expecting a Messiah, yes. right? They're expecting the first coming, yes. as you were mentioning earlier. And so I guess we can make the mistake because of that, of thinking that, that, that he was only referring to, you know, people rising up in the first century or whatever, but I, I mean, obviously, we can see because of the other context in Matthew 24 that this is still a future event. So the false prophets and false Christs that he's referring to, I think mostly refer to the end time church or the time before his coming. And, um, and so to see signs and wonders, I mean, I just think of, you know, many of the things could be like in the, in the Netflix series, you could discredit like oh he kind of maybe faked that or and then you find out later he's exposed that somebody let him out of the prison that you know there was mm -hmm. these things that were going on that were very practical but how do you walk on water i mean somebody did it i guess but how do you do it how do you do how it do you raise people from the day well and that's that's, <laughs> that's the way that question <laughs> that's the way the season ends and of course there's this kid that gets shot um and and when he's in at the temple mountain israel 
talking about the time has come or whatever. And this little kid, uh, he steps forward like that he's willing to whatever. And then he's the one who gets shot by, you know, the police or whatever. And then he touches him. The guy comes back to life. It's a very big deal. And he just escapes just like Jesus did. You know, he would just escape the yes. crowds. And so there's all these things happening. Of course, he's got words of knowledge. He knows the stories behind those that are interrogating him. He's able to re reveal some pretty intense secrets. But... Again, you can credit that to good observation based off of psychology or whatever. But then at the very end, he raises the dead. There's like, how do you do that? There's a plane crash. Everyone dies, and he, he's raising them back to life. There's a witness there who sees it happen, and that's how the whole episode ends. And that really – that's really so, – so it presents this compelling evidence like, who is this guy? I mean, can you raise the dead? You know, like, right. you know, that's what the questions would go on in the world. Right. So – Let's say uh, we're talking to an audience of youth and young adults here, and um, there, are, there are many decades, if God willing, that will be in their future. Yeah. And let's say there are opportunity for false Christ to rise up and deceive many, if possible, even the elect, the yeah. scripture says. Yeah. So, um, so we have a situation here where we can say, okay, let's be a skeptic. Let's sniff out all his illusion tactic and all his co-conspirator that helped him do all the stun, you know, his media technique and everything. What if he can perform supernatural stuff? What if all the supernatural right. stuff he did is real? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, so how do... I think we have to prepare the church to handle... Uh, entities or personality yes. who can do more than just illusion, right? Who can just say sweet, deceptive words, but they have some kind of a, a pseudo power or some power to do some extraordinary yeah. things that seems to be very compelling. Yes, yeah. I mean, you see even now in different parts of Africa and different parts of the world, there are witch doctors who perform real things, obviously not using Christ power, but demonic power. So it's very real today, even now, isn't it? It's not just going to happen in the future. It's already happening. Yeah. Well, I want to repeat some of his statements that he made. Okay. He's sitting with the president of the United States in a secret meeting. And the president asks, you know, what are you doing here? And he he asks this question, what would you do? Okay, in response, uh, Al-Masi responds with, what would you do to, how, how, I forget how he says it, but it was, what would you do to get a thousand years of peace? And Sounds of like the millennial kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And of course, the president's like, blah, 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 of course, I'd do anything, but it's impossible. And I think he asked him to pull back all the U.S., uh, troops that will deploy globally that's right? okay yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right that. <laughs> because and he says if you do that you'll be a president of peace if you don't then it'll it'll be i forget how he says it'll be horrible a lot of death or something something related to that and it's very interesting because you think okay wait you know that the the antichrist brings peace in the middle east right the peace treaty and everything mm -hmm. and so this kind of feels interesting like wait is this are, are we setting up the, the antichrist right now because yeah because this yes. is kind of working, you know, if this president, which it seems like he's getting more favorable because he asks one of his uh, uh, military people, hey, do this uh, investigation of what would it look like if we were to remove all troops from, from, you know. And so they're going to do analytics of what that would mean and all the possibilities. So the president is entertaining. Now, of course, I'm not the real president. I'm talking about the movie. Uh, is entertaining the idea of pulling all the troops back. I think in their dialogue, uh, he was trying to convince the president because he realized the president has some measure of faith. 
Yeah, because he was a Latter Day Saint, a, a, yes. a person from the Mormon Church, right. Latter Day Saints, which actually the whole entire denomination is built on end time prophecy in That's the 19th right. century. So they do believe in second coming of Messiah. Right, and they but, believe it's the latter days. Yes, mm -hmm. they believe that the latter day are kind of started for a while now, and right. they actually are probably more active preparation than any other groups on the earth. That leads me to uh, another pastoral point, which is that we can have the right kind of biblical preparation for the end time, and we can have the wrong kind of biblical preparation for the yeah. end times, you know. And studying end time is so important, but studying end time with inappropriate application can also lead to cultism and weirdness yeah, and yeah. all kinds of Which things. Which it has. Yes. Yeah. So how do we, like I said, how do we actually keep ourselves in a place of soundness when we engage in the society, when we love our family, you know, we don't think about, you know, doomsday scenario where yeah. we don't have <laughs> children and right. all kinds of things. I think there are uh, some key points that we have to hold on to in terms, I think the Great Commission and the Great Commandment are two fundamental guides, which means that we live every day to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, sure. our soul, our mind, and our strength to love our neighbor as ourselves, which means now moment is very important, yeah. even though end time might be coming. And the second one is to finish the Great Commission to get the gospel out to totally. all the people group of the earth that involve every form of activity that will further the movement of the gospel. Yeah. So, so back to the uh, conversation about the thousand years. Is yeah, that yeah. where you're aiming? Mm -hmm. at? Well, yeah, but I, I, yeah, because he says this phrase in the same place. He says, "History has ended; the time is now." You know, he's starting the new age. Yeah. And he says that in the press conference. Uh, I forget how he says how he said it. Oh, no, I got it right here. He said um, the world is about uh, to begin again. Right. Yes. And, and this issue of of I've come to bring in the, a new the new age or something like that. And that was really inter intense. intense. <laughs> I mean, so let me break that down without uh, claiming to say that Jesus must that his second coming must operate within a certain box. You know, the, the, during the first coming of Jesus, the first century uh, Jewish believer, most of them are Jewish, yeah. but Jesus speak to Jew and Gentile, the Syrophoenician women and all that, they received the miracle of God. Mm -hmm. Not exclusively only Jews, but majority of J Jesus' audience were Jewish. So during that generation, they have the Old Testament scripture. The canon of the, the Hebrew scripture has been solidified by the time of Jesus. Jesus himself read from the scroll of Isaiah and many other scripture. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the disciple and the audience, the people who are listening to Jesus, knew the Old Testament scripture. At the same time, they also are listening to the word incarnate. Right. The, the, the John chapter 1 word is now speaking to them in the Hebrew chapter 1 way, where he say in the last day, in the past, God has spoken to us through the prophets, but now in the last day, He spoke to us through His Son. Yeah. So in the, at the second coming of Jesus, there is a unique generation where we have the Old and the New Testament Scripture, the whole council of Scripture in front of us, and then we have a person, yeah. a living person that is talking. So how do we relate to that? There's only one, two generations that have to deal with that. The generation of the first coming of Jesus and the, the generation second. of the second coming <laughs> yeah. of Jesus. If we are not living in the second, the generation where we will see Jesus on the earth, we will only have the scripture and the Holy Spirit guiding us through the right. scripture, speaking sure. to us every day. Sure. But then there is the additional component of a real flesh and blood person talking in first person as God right. at the second coming of Jesus. This is complicated. So how do we actually set up principle to listen and discern whether the claim about a thousand year peace, you know, the new age has begun. How do we do that? I mm -hmm. would say this, number one, study how Jesus talked during his first coming, the letter in red, because he speak in such a way 
where the scripture was available during the first coming. Yeah. So, and he never contradicts the scripture. Right. If there were times that he seems to be contradicting the scripture, they didn't understand the scripture. Right. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the triune nature of God. They, they, the Jewish people were monotheistic. But there were parts in uh, David's Psalms where he said, the Lord spoke to my Lord. In other uh -huh. words, he's saying that, oh, who is the Lord? Is David's God? David is the Lord or David is the Messiah or is there another <laughs> Messiah? Is David's offspring the Messiah? You know, there yeah. is a, 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 a mystery in the, hidden in the Psalms that talks about the offspring of David is actually yeah. David's Lord. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so when Jesus was doing all that, they, their, their brain were frying, you know, mm -hmm. the theologian <laughs> brain were frying, right? Yeah. So that's, that's one. We look back with the consistency of the scripture. So this person who is showing up, if he talks, mm -hmm. He will not contradict the word of God. Number yeah. one. So I remember there was a part where he said, reading the scripture will not save you. That's right. He says, don't he, buy that. He says, scripture won't save you and praying won't please anyone. Romans 10 says that when you hear the word of God, faith will, alive, faith, faith will arise. And if you receive because of the hearing of faith, that is where you call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Scripture is profoundly important. In fact, I believe that the Antichrist spirit will make Scripture so illegal on the earth because right. Scripture is the only definitive black and white guidance yeah. to, to, to see through deception yes. in a huge way because it's so precise. It's like Book of Daniel. You read the Book of Daniel before those events happened to the Greece and all these other future empires, you'll be shocked by how precise it is. Yeah. In fact, to this point, many of the people who don't believe miracles say, the Book of Daniel is not a prophetic book. It's a historical book. That, right. it's, it's not possible that it's that accurate. Yeah. yeah. must have been written after the event. It must be written after, <laughs> not before. Yeah. But right now, we have this holy Bible that's given to us with so much information that we need to understand about Jesus' second That's coming. so good. So this is very key. He will yeah. not speak. Secondly, what he does is more, more, than what, more, more important than what he says. In fact, uh, in the study of the end time scripture, we realize that Jesus do a lot of things that confirm who he is, where he show up, you know, what he does, mm -hmm. you know, the white horse is riding on and who are his enemy. And actually, his, the, the way the enemy treat him is actually one of the strongest way to identify who he is, okay? Mm -hmm. And how the battle of Armageddon and, you know, the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, Matthew 24, verse 15, setting up the, the idols and the abominable thing in the temple in Jerusalem, all these things help us right. identify the real Jesus. So, right. so, But the first three and a half years of the, you know, tribulation, right? There's, there's seven years of tribulation. Uh, it seems to be still pretty vague, right? Because yes. you just mentioned the abomination of desolation being at the halfway mark, yeah. um, uh, according to Daniel, right? There's this there's this uh, moment where the Antichrist sets himself up and calls himself God at the temple in Jerusalem. Until then, you can't really identify him so yes. well. Yes. Yeah. He's still clandestine. Yeah, yeah that's right. Mm -hmm. It's and, and you know, it, one of the things that really, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he said, I'm a, I am here to bring about the world to come. When they asked him, are you the Messiah? And he didn't say yes or whatever. He said, I'm here to bring about the world to come. I mean, it's it, it's so compelling just the way, but he's looking a lot like the Antichrist yeah. too. And yeah. so you can't really guess it until, and I'm assuming they're smart. They're setting it up for a second season or a third season probably. Oh, yeah. And I would I would totally get it if indeed the, the facts about 
this uh him being raised by his uncle who's an illusionist and his brother and him just living in israel and 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 and, and he, him going to college over in in uh where was it new jersey or somewhere in, in the u.s and uh learning from a philosopher that supposedly he's actually the one who taught the philosopher who's hiding out wow. in russia i would i would not be surprised if it's truly biblically uh, sound if they're setting up the antichrist first and then later on, then uh, wow. then show the coming of that'd be a twist. That would be a twist, and I think that that would be an awesome twist. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ruben uh, and Georgina, obviously, this is a very compelling drama, mm-hmm. and one character in the scripture that we haven't discussed from Matthew twenty-four, verse uh, uh, twenty-four, is the false prophet. Right, the false prophet that comes alongside with Jesus. Actually, he's the one doing a lot of the talking. Right. He do a lot of the talking. He do a lot of the narration, giving understanding to people, teaching doctrines, and all kinds of things. Yeah. So, and uh, and actually, our understanding of scripture points to the fact that the one that do most of the talking in the last days is the false prophet, right. not the, not right. Jesus. In fact, uh, not the false Jesus. If you find some people going around doing more talking than action. Most likely, the person is the false prophet. Yeah, yeah. You know, if he's claiming to be Jesus or Messiah or something like that, he might not even be playing the role of the false Messiah. He might be playing the role of the false prophet. Yeah. If he points to another person, he's right. a false prophet. If he points to himself as the Messiah, then he's the the false Messiah operating the spirit of the false prophet. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You, you understand? Yeah, what I mean? totally. He's still trying to deceive us in the false right. prophet. The, the, the clear, consistent way that the scripture revealed to us about Jesus' second coming is he first appeared in the sky, okay? Right. And he doesn't do the talking. He do a lot of the action. Yeah. Right. He do a lot of the talking afterwards when he finished defeating his enemy. Yeah. He got, he lot, he got a lot of work to do. <laughs> When he first appeared, he got a wedding. He has to yeah. attend to, you know. He, he has to gather. To rise up. Yeah, he has the bride <laughs> to gather up. His bride is waiting for him. Has been persecuted for so long, yeah. and he's just got a lot of work to do. He got no time. Yeah. He has. He has actually given us the gospel message during his first coming. He has spoken yes. quite enough. Yeah. For us to get through, he's the prayed for two thousand years, so he's got all of his words out. Yeah. So yes. he's like, now it's time to go. go you know, go, go. but in, in, in this in this particular uh, representation, we see Pastor Felix, right yes. from Texas, this like really really arid desert like town uh, with no money, and the, you know he's about to burn down the church, and then the tornado comes, and then Almasi saves his daughter who's mm-hmm. epileptic. He's you know she's trying to run away. And and then all of a sudden, you know, he's now becoming his voice, his representative. They go to D.C. and then he says this funny statement. This, this he says, um, uh, you know, m- perhaps he rewarded us w- because of our faith. That's why he chose us as you know the people, the generation, whatever, for the coming of of this of this figure. Mm-hmm. But but it just begs an interesting question because he looks like he's the false prophet, right? That, or yeah, he, he would fit the bill. He would fit right. the bill because then he goes back and he burns down the church because he lost faith in the guy. Oh <laughs> but, wow! But uh, that's a spoiler, big one. But uh, but the point is that he um uh, uh that he had this statement of. We have faith. He had no faith. He was about to burn down his church if he wasn't interrupted by a tornado. And, but he says, we have faith. Perhaps that's why he chose us, why he rewarded us. And I think that begs an interesting conversation at, as we close this podcast related to us deserving the Messiah, us deserving the coming of the Lord 
because of our faith of the end time church. Can you talk about that a little bit? Obviously, I have some strong feelings about it. but Well, we are all object of his mercy and grace. None yeah. of us deserve anything. Actually, if we really deserve, we deserve the consequences of our sin. That's right. But uh, instead of, uh, you know, sending us to the place where we receive our punishment, he gave us a brand new set of clothing, fine linen, because he paid for all our sin on the cross. The only feeling we should have is gratitude. Yes. Not entitlement. That's not right. a sense of, uh, you know, whether we deserve to be chosen. In fact, the word chosen is so key, actually. Uh, we should know that we are already chosen. Yeah. It doesn't make, take a supernatural second coming type event to validate our extra chosenness. The fact is this, whether uh, to leave his Christ to die and gain in the end time drama as things unfold with great intensity, yeah. you know, we must know that we are all First Peter 2 people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you know, a God's chosen people yeah. built into God's house as living stones. Yeah. And that happened now in yeah. our day-to-day -day walk with the Lord. Yeah. Now, some of us have other assignments and we may our life will prolong and we have significant impact in the last day. Some of us have shorter assignments, right. yeah. you know, but uh, the, we are all chosen in that sense if yeah. we abide in Christ, if we yeah. put our faith in Christ. Yeah. And uh, I just want to encourage our audience that I, I'm, we're not promoting this Netflix series here, but I just find that this is too great an opportunity to miss, to have such a visual aid in front of us, yeah. to have a, a robust dialogue that we must know the scripture well. Yeah. The specific nature of what uh, the scripture gave us about Jesus, yeah. the true Jesus, and also how to discern the Antichrist. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so good. I think that that's what stirs in me to have like, oh, I need to know this so that nothing deceives me in the end. That's right. And I love what you said about gratitude because mm -hmm. I think many times we tend to see, see, you know, well, of course, right now, because America is doing relatively well economically and the church, the charismatic church is in a place of almost like, you know, we're going to make things happen. We're going to take over these sectors of society and we're going to, we're going to get the place in a certain situation where we are deserving of God returning, Christ returning. Mm -hmm. And and I appreciate what you said. Like, no, no, that doesn't no. We are just grateful recipients of his mercy. And when yeah. he comes, it's the greatest act of mercy that he'll come and fulfill on everything he promised. Yeah. He will come. And he will fulfill every word he said. Heaven and earth will fade, but his word will remain. That is his promise. I'm I mean I'm so anchored in that, you know? And that's why I even though I've um, emotion about how they depict Almase in this TV series. But I'm actually grateful that, you know, different people will bring up different facets so mm -hmm. that we can point them to the truth. Yeah. And uh, so this is a great hour to be alive, to yeah. be a witness for Christ. Yeah. Live yeah. a gospel-centric life. That's all I'm saying. You know, preach the gospel. The time is short. Yeah. Amen. Come on. Well, thanks for being with us, Daniel, as we just process this uh, new yeah. uh, culture setter. I mean, I, re I there's so many people having conversation around this, this series. They had it on their banner for three weeks as their main main show they're promoting. Crazy. So, so it's, a, it's an interesting conversation yeah, right it's now. It's really good. And actually, it's kind of perfect timing because if this really is stirring in you to understand the Bible and know the end times more, you, you've probably heard us speak about it before, but we do a forerunner 
what's it called? FSG, for in a study group. <laughs> Suddenly lost it. Yeah. And we actually want you to join us. We go through the 150 chapters of the Bible. That's main uh, topic is the end times. We study it together. We provoke each other to pray about yeah. it fast. And uh, we get to meet, we get to pray, we get to study it. So if you are interested in joining us, we want you, is there going to be a link below that they can click that's on? Right. And, that's uh, right. On our YouTube and our Facebook, that's where you can find the link. So mm -hmm. if you're listening to this podcast, you, you, you might want to check us out there. Again, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash cbetskc. And of course, our Facebook is easy to find as well. But also, those, those of you that may not feel like, ready to look into the chapter by chapter we have a free course available for you called end times for beginners mm -hmm. mike bickle goes through four introductory sessions where he lays out just how to understand the end time storyline he talks about these figures like the antichrist and and jesus how he will look when he returns so we want to point you to that we'll also yeah. put that below it's really good. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this series, this, not series, <laughs> this podcast we've been talking about a series. Yes. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week, Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. And again, if you haven't listened to our previous podcast, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcast. And yeah, go look at us on our YouTube channel too. We'll, we'll see, see you next week. week. <laughs> that was <Hey>. good. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>